trigger warning. This podcast is intended for men. Not boys, not babies, men. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And that is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony DePani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Well, this is one of, it's a really good sandwich. I don't know how I do it justice. Uh, you know, like if I were to try to count everything, I'd want to give it an accurate and fair count of everything that was on it. Um, for example, you know, my wife made it. It's got a whole wheat bun. There's like two halves of it. There are two tomatoes, um, one, two, three, four, five pickles, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six onions. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen ounces of turkey. Uh, I think five olive. You know what, man? I'm kind of getting tired of all this counting. Uh, I think I'm going to stop for now and then pick it up sometime in the morning. Um, actually, we just had a water main break, and so we're going to have to stop counting this sandwich. Nice. Can, can I can I mail you some extra turkey? Uh, yes, that would be great. I mean, like more, uh, just more tur- when I figure out how much, how much did you have? Because I want to make sure that I, you know, we have a fair and accurate account of this. That's more than yours. Correct. I mean, so uh, I'll mail you like sixteen ounces, so you'll get thirty-two or something like that ounces in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Sorry right about that. Sorry about that water main break. That's that's super inconvenient. Right in the middle of making that sandwich. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I didn't have a water main break. I do have a real sandwich. Uh, my wife made me a roast beef sandwich uh, with pepper jack cheese. So I got a little little zest in there. On my favorite. On a hamburger. On a hamburger cheeseburger muffin. No, no. Oh. That was that was the other week, man. She doesn't make. That's a special thing. That cheeseburger muffin. All right. That doesn't happen all the time. But okay. now she made it on a on a pretzel bun. I love pretzel buns, man. Pretzel bread is. That's a special thing. I like pretzel bread, but yeah, and you know some mayo and, and some veggies and stuff on it too. But it's it's that uh, it's 
that kind of cheese you use on it, good kind of meat, and uh, that pretzel bread, man. Can't beat that pretzel bread. I love it. Did you say something about be- beating the pretzel bread? Uh, you, you can't beat it. Well, I mean, I guess you could it, beat pretzel bread. You're, you're really kind of to, you're kind of violent there, Tony. I I think that's true. I should probably I'm going to have to sh- shut pa- you down. No, you should probably have to pause me for uh, 24 yes. hours for making any kind of those uh, those super violent instigating kind of uh, sandwich remarks, right? Right. Yes. Right. We need to cut you off. Yep. Yep. You and you and Mr. Zuckerberg and all his little minions over at Facebook that have uh, temporarily probably going to be permanent i'm sure as soon as i come back with what i am prepared to post um temporarily banned me for 24 hours from commenting or posting or anything like that but luckily luckily my very good friend also named tony last name paterno which happens to be italian for um patriarch but um happens to just be a friend of mine on facebook that just joined uh very recently (laughs) and is uh is becoming a little more active right now, so you may you may see him around for a little while. Totally unrelated. Uh, totally okay. unrelated. Yeah, I hear he's a big fan of our show, though. He is. He's a huge fan. He actually he really likes me. He talks about me a okay. lot, and he also tags Matt Williams from How to Build a Tent all the time uh, in his posts as well. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like we're the same person. I mean, we could have been brothers, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I've never seen you and this Tony Paterno at the same time. Well, we you know we we live in different places um yeah i we live in diff well you know we interact in uh different apps on the same phone but we live in different places he lives in that app and i live in the real world (laughs) (laughs) all right well anyway we we have a segment we actually haven't had in a while but unfortunately we do have to bring back which is Shepherds and Wolves. This one ought to be rather familiar to anybody that's been watching the news, but we felt we'd like to comment on it. Noiselessly, we bow before your throne of grace as we leave behind the politically and socially clamorous year of 2020. We gather now in this consequential chamber to inaugurate another chapter in our roller coaster representative government. The members of this august body acknowledge your sacred supremacy and therefore confess that without your favor and forbearance, we enter this new year relying dangerously on our own fallible nature. I mean, so far, so good, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, right, yeah. I mean, that's relying on your own fallible nature. We would not want to do that, especially we don't want to. Sounds like this is a political prayer, maybe. It sounds mm-hmm. like this would be a, a good prayer to pray. We don't want our leaders relying on their infallible nature. Okay. Oh, and he Keep said going. we re- rely on the supremacy of God. So I it's good. So let's let's see how he continues to go on. God, at a moment when many believe that the bright light of democracy is beginning to dim, empower us with an extra dose of commitment to its principles. May we of the 117th Congress refuel the lamp of liberty so brimful that generations unborn will witness its undying flame. There's, there's some generations unborn that aren't going to witness that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice if he mentions that, but we'll see if he does. And may we model community healing 
control our tribal tendencies, and quicken our spirit that we may feel thy priestly presence even in moments of heightened disagreement. Okay, I mean, all right. His priestly presence. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's okay. That's not bad. All right. All right, keep going. May we so feel your presence that our service here may not be soiled by any utterances or acts unworthy of this high office. Insert in our spirit a light so bright that we can see ourselves in our politics as we really are, soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice, and inveigled by ideology. Now may the God who created the world and everything in it bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine. No, keep going. He's, he's actually given us uh, some scripture here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, said, I mean little, so far, yeah. you know, these are some things that uh, need said in front, of, uh, in front of Congress there. Yeah, all right. Shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families, peace across this land. And dare I ask, O oh Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and... Uh, who? Br Brahma? Brahman? What? Yeah, that's, a, that's a different monotheistic God than I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's not, and I don't know that one ever said that, that quote which he got from the Old Testament. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, right. That's that's a little that, ad, that famous benediction, one of the most famous yeah. benedictions in the Bible. It's a little yeah. ad, ad lib there, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's starting starting to starting to the wheels are starting to come off. Yeah. And God known by many names by many different faiths. Yeah. Okay. Wheels are continuing to come off. Now, now this is actually yeah, what this is bl blasphemous. Actually, yes. Um, yeah. Well, he's about yeah. to light it all on fire from there on. I okay. think. I think he just started to pour gasoline on it, and then. Okay. A man, and a woman. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a man, and a woman. Yeah. A woman. Oh man. Oh, or an old, old woman. I guess is what I should say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh woman. Okay, well, I know then, most, and, most people have probably already heard that, but still, I think it's, it's worth bearing to listen to the whole thing, its entirety, because I, ironically, there's actually some good stuff in there, but he, he wrecked it all at the end with his stupidity, blasphemy, and then his continued stupidity. Isn't that a lesson, though, for us of how we can actually start off the race of life, the race, the Christian race, actually, very well? Many people start out the gate. And man, it looks like they're running well. They got the torch held hide and they get down to the finish line and they fumble the ball. I mean, like really you can't fumble. fumble it much more <laughs> worse than that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bad yeah, wow. Ooh. But that that's the danger, man. And if God does not preserve us, that is that's where we end up. And uh, many men, yeah, there's this quote, I don't know, isn't there like it's like maybe it's Batman. It's like you either live long enough to what is it? How's the? Yeah, it's you, you it's, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the the yes, correct yeah, the yeah. enemy or something the like villain, that. Yeah, the villain. The villain. Yeah. There I, we go. That was in the second, I think. Uh, yeah, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's that's not that we want to die young, but man, I want God to preserve me all the way through, and uh, yeah. And we, we all. That's another lesson: is you need to be careful of those you put yourself near and around. There's a lot of people out there that um, 
sound good and um, are very close to the truth. And then they sneak in things. They're like the, the scriptures speak of. They 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 sneak in basically undercover to to take away to lead us into all kinds of wickedness and evil. Well, I've I've said it before, and and I think it bears saying again that I'm actually thankful for 2020. I think that uh, of all of the craziness and stuff too, you know, we're talking about where you can start well and finish poorly. Um, there's a lot of people. You know, they're true colors, both in the church and even just in the government that I think have come out. And um, I'd rather it be out in the open, right, than than not know. Um, and I think that that's been a good thing to kind of show who's who. And then it, there's, and, and okay, and to focus on the optimistic part too, there's also been a lot of people that have stood their ground. Um, I mean, I think of people like John MacArthur and, you know, people like that that have stood their ground and done right. And I think have been a, a good example. And so I'm thankful for that too. I think it's, that was a good year, but uh, I, I think now, now that uh, 2020 has uh, turned 21 and clearly, clearly started drinking in the morning, um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, we should talk about that and uh, talk about everything that's going on, and then how do we respond to that? And what do we do? What do we think about it? And how do we act? Have you seen that meme where it's like it's got that guy praying that we just played, and then and like in the next picture it has that the 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 Viking helmet dude that yes they yeah. took it in and it's like who summoned me <laughs> <laughs> right yeah well he's Brahmin I guess yes <laughs> it really is interesting uh, I mean that, you couldn't imagine that God would play something out even more like that and I think we were seeing God's judgment mm-hmm. poured on our nation and His discipline on us and on his people. And, um, I see we're seeing that play out. I made a post. I made a post that, well, one of the few that didn't get me flagged or banned, but I, you know, I mean, you, what you're saying is goes along with it is that it shows how powerful God is. And I said, you know, God, God took a respiratory virus with an over 99% survival rate and sent it to the most powerful nation that has ever existed and destroyed it in a year. Like, that's power. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's shown, I mean, it, it's it's brought us to our knees. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, we can't, um, there's, there's, I think there's some wiggle room on how far we take the, whether the COVID is real or not real and all that stuff. I, I don't think brothers should be at each other's throats over that or even over masks necessarily. But, um, I think we can all agree and we should agree. And if you don't agree on this, then you're, I think you're out in left field that this is the hand of God upon us. And whether it's the virus itself. And I know many people that have gotten sick and people that have gotten seriously sick and even some that have died. So I don't, like you said, it does have a high recovery rate. And I don't know that I personally would call it a pandemic in a way of like, we think of, of like everybody's dying and, it's certainly not the Black Plague, but... Uh, and to be fair, what I meant was not that God sent an actual plague upon us, but that was the catalyst to everything else. Just the, the abuses of power, the the divisions of the, the craziness, the, the everything, it just it all started there. Yeah, I mean, I think we have delusion going on in our land, and, and I think on all sides. For example, I think... 
the QAnon stuff is is a delusion. It's uh, do you know what I mean by that? The the, the QAnon for our listeners, I'm sure most people understand yeah, some kind of most conspiracy where there's is. yeah some supposedly some secret dude named Q leaving clues and of what Trump is going to do, and it ends up being Lucy and Charlie Brown. Like, <laughs> here's the football. I'll come kick it this time for real. He's really going to do something. Well, and it's and, it's rough because it it reminds me of. Uh, sorry for those of you that listen, but I'm going to pick on this a little bit. But it reminds me of dispensationalism. It's like around every corner. No, this is it now. This is the rapture. This is the tribulation. I know. I I was just kidding the last fifty times. Like this is it. And this is it for and, real. And yeah. it's and it's. You know, and and there's some things that happen. Like like there's some people saying, "Oh, look, we're." where maybe we're going to a one-world currency because of crypto and things like that. That could be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're heading into the rapture and, and the tribulation. So I think that's why there's there's people arguing with each other, even in, even in the Q stuff, just because it's like, well, there is some truths in that, but then they just... It's like everybody really wants to be a Gnostic again. They want all this hidden knowledge, and they, they there's enough crazy crap going on right now that's very plain and out in the open that we we don't have to go looking for little hidden clues to everything anymore. It's just it's easy to see we have a corrupt government and a corrupt nation, and that we're we've been steeped in sin for decades upon decades, and God gave us to it. Yeah, and so the the delusion is all around, and 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 some of it is is. A frightening thing that we've lost trust. I would say that we've lost trust in all of our institutions, and I, I would say that's probably true both left and right in some sense of of that people have lost trust in the institutions. Usually, the liberals are more trust in institutions and and are willing to wield them to take out their enemies, as we're seeing. But uh, I don't know that many people trust the mainstream news. Don't trust. Most new sources and and what that ends up leaving us then with with a very low trust society, there's not much holding it together. We don't trust each other. I mean, you go to the store anymore, and and the default that we're supposed to think of is this person that normally I would not think anything of in years past has a virus that's going to wipe out my family and entirety of society. And if you see somebody without a mask anywhere, and I. I don't. I, I. I'll be completely honest. Anybody that knows me, the masks are nonsense. That's my feeling on it. Um, I'm not going to put down somebody, you know, because of it or whatever. But even me, when I'm out somewhere, if you happen to see somebody that doesn't have a mask on, the default in your head because you've been drilled into it is, why does that person not have a mask? And then you're going to like, why am I? Why do I care? And but that's my thing is like, there's this weird distrust, and you can't see anybody's face anymore. And, and well, even even the other way. So um, if you're somebody that doesn't wear a mask and you see people with masks, yeah, you're, you're, exactly. you're, you're tempted to, to not trust those people or, or just, just automatically make a judgment despise on despise them. them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Automatically be like, this person's an idiot because they're wearing a mask. And and other than the people that are jogging down the road. Sorry, <laughs> I laugh at them. But generally, I've been trying to remind myself if I'm out and I see somebody in a mask. Even if they're like in their car, that's one thing that bothers my wife when she sees people alone in their car driving with a mask on. And I get why it bothers her. But I've even said to myself, maybe this person had it on when they're in the store and they're just, you know, you know, you get to thinking when you come out of a store and then you get in your car and you probably just I, just leave your mask on or something. I've been trying to give people the benefit of the doubt 
people that work in stores going, this person probably is just trying to make an income and doing whatever they can to not get shut down by their local health department or something like that. Um, so I'm trying very hard, yeah, to not, what you're saying, to not pass judgment on it in that way too. But it's clear, as we've been saying, that God's bringing his judgment upon us, whether it's through the the, the COVID itself or through the shutdowns, the mass. I would say through now, conf- delusion or just like I said, lack of trust of all institutions. Like I don't know very many people and in my circles, at least that trust that the election was up and up was only up and up. Mm -hmm. I know there's probably some liberals that that would assert that, but they sometimes think they just protest too much (laughs) and uh, push that pretty hard. And that's why, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it. And if you do, you're going to be shut down. So, and then we have riots that have happened all year long and now riots, which I don't know that I would call what happened in DC necessarily. I guess you can call it a riot, but it pales in comparison to what we've seen. Yeah. I, I, don't, oh, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I'd push back on that. I don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I think it was like the best idea in the world, but I mean, if you it watched, was tame compared have you, to what have we've you, seen. And if you watched, we were just talking about the dude in the horns, right? With the war paint. I mean, have you seen some, the people that actually made it in there? How did they... <laughs> like, you watch the Black Lives Matter protests, and you see some pretty angry people, and you're kind of like, okay, I kind of get it. They broke their way into this. You know, they're violent, whatever. <laughs> These guys look like... I mean, some of them legit. Like, the guy with the horns... He, he looks like some role-playing guy, you know? Like, he should have went to Comic-Con, and he just ended up there at the Capitol, and he's like, all right, let's do this. And look, I know everybody that's going to be in the comments being like, that guy was at the Black Lives Matter protest last year. He's probably Antifa. Yes, I know. I've seen all the pictures. He's, he's not, actually, though. I, I'm he's, just saying. He's he's kind of a kook. He's a Well, I know. I think he's been at uh, My point is, I think he's been at everything. I think that's just, like, his yeah. thing, is I'm just going to put these wacko horns on and go to whatever and just get seen. Because he, you could see his face. He's kind of weird, but... But my anyway, my point was, you put those side by side. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a riot. I mean, even for that matter, the the um, the Capitol Police or the security or whatever. I mean, there's videos of them letting them in. Uh, it's weird. I, I'm I'm not going into any conspiracy theory thing on it. I'm just saying it's it's just it was bizarre. You know, you're going. How do these people make it into a yeah. federal building? It's just weird. So yeah, I don't I don't. I didn't see a riot. Well, I just saw regardless, some stupidity. What do you want to call it? The yeah. point being is that um, we have that, and then you have what I uh, I believe is very dangerous is that our president, the president of the country, has been censored while he is still in office. I saw President Biden tweet something recently. What are you talking no, about? No, he's not in office yet. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm talking about I'm kidding. the president of our country is censored. And furthermore, I read an article where the the sec, the the um, speaker of the house bragged about going to the military and getting them to not go along with the president, who is the commander in chief yep. of the military. She's not. She that's an unconstitutional thing that she has done. That's undermining. That is actually it's an actual if coup. You will, that's it, an actual coup. That's yeah. what it. That's what drives me nuts. Some people saying that President Trump is trying to have a coup, and I'm like you. He's in charge. You can't have a coup when you're in charge. Like, go look up the definition. 
But yeah. Yeah, they, so he they yeah. they they got a coup against him and they've shut him down. Now the banks are canceling him. Shit. There was a list of all the things canceling him and now they're canceling of course uh uh his supporters as well and they're calling for for the politicians that are still in office like senators mm-hmm. to have their be put on no fly lists and have their bank accounts canceled. Yep. And if they can do that to the president they can certainly do it to us. And so that puts us in a very frightening time and a time where I think we have to say, yes, God's hand is discipline. God's hand is on our nation. There's judgment. Um, and I think the temptation for us is, you know, uh, um, I'm getting ready to preach this coming Sunday. We're going through the book of Matthew and it talks about asking you shall receive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, seeking you shall find, knocking you should the door shall be open to you. And then it says, you know, which one of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a rock? And which one of you, if, if his uh, uh, um, son asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? And so, and then, you know, if you be an evil, know how to give good things. Our father, <laughs> how much more? How much more? And yet we're looking around at us and here's the temptation for us, Tony. It sure seems like he's given us rocks and snakes. I guess if you have a particular perspective about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that. I don't see That's that. That's not true. Yeah, it's, it's not, not true. Yeah. Actually, the point that uh, I'm glad you don't see it that way, but I think there's a temptation to think what is going on here. And yet we, we have to realize that God's discipline is good, that he's what he's pouring upon our nation is good. Even his wrath that we, his judgment is good. And even if we die in this, it's good. And therefore we need to trust him and walk by faith. And then walking by faith doesn't, is not a kind of, well, Jesus is King. And so, you know, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to plug my fingers in my ears. Rather it's Jesus is King. So now I'm going to be obedient to him and I'm going to trust him. Walking requires walking. Yeah, sitting there. And, yeah, and seeking and knocking are things that you do mm-hmm. that are that are that you that really uh, require effort. Um, and so, I would uh, encourage us to be thinking about now. So, God's hand of discipline is upon us. What do we do? What do we do now? I mean, obviously, repentance is key. But what else do we do? What do we do in with all the stuff that's happening on our nation as Christians? Those who trust the Lord. How do we protect our homes and our families and and all those things? And um, I think one of the guys that's been very uh, thoughtful, been trying to think through this and has been uh, putting out a lot of helpful content recently is a guy named Michael Foster, who's a pastor. He's just planted a church, and it'd be nice to have him. He actually was one of our, our very first guests yep. on our show. He came on another time, too. I can't remember what episode, but shortly after, I think. Yep. So let's let's have him on and let's talk about what we can do to uh, in the middle of all this. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be on the line with Michael Foster from It's Good to Be a Man. So stick around. You are listening to the Patriarchy on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. We'll be right back.
Hi guys, this is Henry with an I. Just, you know, wanted to let you guys know, um, I mean, let you men know, yeah, uh, that if you want some manly man merchandise, you can, you know, head over to confessionalware.com and click on podcast collaborations to, you know, get some manly wah, patriarchy merchandise. It, you know, be a good idea if you didn't smoke cigars or anything worldly like in their logo. But, uh, you know, it's good to support manly stuff. Uh, like my pastor, Pastor Deborah, always says, behind every manly man, there's a manly woman. Oh, no, that's that's not how it goes. Oh, uh, if the man is the head of the marriage, then there's a woman with her hand on his neck. Uh, no, no, that's not it either. Well, anyways, go support the Patriarchy Podcast and buy some merchandise at confessionalware.com under podcast collaborations. I'll uh, figure out what Pastor Dever said, uh, you know, the next time I see her at Yoga for Jesus class. So, uh, yeah, bye. On the line with Michael Foster. Michael is the pastor of East River Church, host of It's Good to Be a Man podcast and writer for It's Good to Be a Man.com. And he is married to his wife of 17 years, Emily, and together they have seven kids. Michael, welcome back, I think for the third time, to the Patriarch. Yeah, glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Michael, we're, it's good. We're glad to have you on to talk about how to uh, hire a woman to play your wife and, and children. So could you tell us how we do that? <laughs> oh man. Um, very carefully. Uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite posts ever when I got into <laughs> all that trouble over stating some really common sense advice about thinking twice about marrying a single mother. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Dramatic. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> I still have like 3,000 direct messages that I, I never got around to. Oh, um, they're like so many. <laughs> um, but uh, one guy was like, this guy, this guy's not even married to this woman. This woman's clearly a model, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, like they kept calling me an incel. And I was like, isn't that involuntary celibate? I mean, I have seven kids. I mean, <laughs> right. I, I can walk you through the, the biology of it. It would be very embarrassing but no so yeah that's so that's that was really funny it was a great compliment for my wife but the thing is i think the guy meant it and i was like (laughs) he obviously uh, did not look into your your i mean your you make posts about your family he obviously overlooked a lot of that (laughs) so now it's kind of become this running gag with people and Oh, I know. I know. I've used there, it numerous times. So there's yeah. worse running gags to be part of. So is, anyone this, that's always complimenting my wife is something I'm I'm happy about. This is this is very there true. This is true. Now, uh, Michael, we actually wanted to have you on and uh, just talk about what's going on in our culture. Last time we had you on, it was it was uh, what was the what do you might call it uh, BC before COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so, long before. Uh, so, a brave new world yes yes it is and uh and let's just talk about what's your take on everything that's going on let's just kind of get a where we're at question and then we'll talk about what how do we respond to it in a little bit yeah 
So I kind of fall down the middle on a lot of things. So I think, um, I don't think COVID was uh, a centralized plan conspiracy of the cabal, you know, the Illuminati. But I do think that very quickly, and here's, I'll tell you why I don't think that, is that I I was kind of on COVID pretty early. I remember people talking about it uh, like early February and I was kind of tracking it. And I, at the end of February, I was pretty concerned about it. I was like, man, maybe this is real. And, you know, a deadly sickness coming out of China is not far-fetched at all. Mm -hmm. And, And so then, you know, we started prepping early. I started prepping like the end of February, start of March, long before it became this deal. So I, we didn't really have any, we didn't have to worry about toilet paper or anything. <laughs> um, we were fine. And, and those early weeks, if you were following the news, the Republicans and Democrats couldn't really figure out what side they're supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. They're like, like, how do we politicize this? How do we use this to our advantage? And they flip-flopped, I mean, like day to day, week to week. And then it slowly kind of turned into what it is now. And so I just don't think they they knew what was going on, but they're trying to use it as they always do for uh, to move forward whatever their agenda is. That's just how uh, people on both sides work politically, but certainly how liberals and Democrats do. They never waste a good crisis. Oh, and I think sure. uh, a lot of those things are kind of true of George Floyd. I think um, I don't think QAnon's real. I think it's I think people that believe it are clearly um, naive and just in many cases kind of brokenhearted and desperate and want to believe that there's more to what's going on than the sad reality uh, of where we are as a country. And, and so I, I think a lot of things that we see, the, the, the disturbing reality is much more mundane than all the conspiracies that are kind of flying around. And the disturbing reality is that we're a country under judgment. Um, that's, that's very clear. We're under judgment by God. Our churches are being shut down. Our government's turning against us. Our ability to speak and preach God's word, uh, is becoming limited, not just in the digital, but obviously having our churches shut down and being pressured by the magistrate not to gather and, and not to, to gather in large groups. And not, and obviously there's, there's some people who have not taken the Lord's Supper, you know, for nine months. You know, they haven't mm-hmm. had the sacrament, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so we're clearly um, uh, under a sort of famine. And God was like, you don't care about my word. You don't honor me. You guys are, we are a consumeristic uh, people. We are, uh, we do kill the unborn. We do watch lots of pornography. We fail to raise our children. We let our children be raised by schools that are aggressively proselytizing them for false teaching and the, i think the lord is giving us over like this is how you want to live fine let's live under marxist communist secular pagan rule and so it's it's clear that we're a country under judgment and uh i don't need there to be you know i mean if there ever was a president that was like a muppet it's it's joe biden but <laughs> so it's easy to believe that there's someone pulling the strings and there is at some level, but it's not as organized as I think people think it is. I think, I think uh, it is behind the scenes because we don't battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual witness in high places. There is a spiritual dynamic behind all that that I think is quite organized. 
um, that we can't see, but it, it, it's, a, it's a sad place. And so I think Christians are trying to make sense of it. And, and so they're, they're, you know, they're tuning into Newsmax every day. They gave up on Drudge Report when he like went nutso a couple years ago. And they're on Bogino Report and they're following people on Twitter and watching these YouTube videos of these guys that have insider information. And what's interesting to me about all of it is how the information people are most interested in is stuff they can't really do much with, <laughs> you know, like, mm. you know what, let's just say there is a cabal. All right. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and when, when I was watching them storm the Capitol, I was watching it live on a couple of friends who were streaming it on their phones when they were going to the Capitol. And <clears throat> I was watching it and I was like, Hey, what's the end game here? What are you going to do? Like, let's say you get to the floor of Congress. Like, what's the plan, man? You're going to like force them by physical threat, or are you just going to like scream and boycott? And how do you think that's going to go? And it just shows you that a lot of these people don't really understand strategy. They don't really know what they're doing. Um, and And we all would do a lot better to say what, what can I do with the information I have? How can I act on it? You know, Neil Postman really saw our day and age uh, really clearly. You know, he wrote uh, Musing Herself to Death in uh, 1984 when it was published. And then he did a couple other books about technology. And he died, sadly, just before the Internet age took off. His wisdom would have been great. He wrote a couple articles on the Internet in 1996, but he passed away, I think, in 96 or 97. But uh, his book, Amusing Herself to Death, talks about how a lot of the news we get inert and there's nothing we can do with it, right? So, like, think of the news you consume. How does it lead you to do anything? Probably the only types of news that you consume that change any action would be stocks and would be weather. And even there, stocks, is if you're wise, that's more of a long-term thing. So you're not actually making decisions day to day. As a matter of fact, watching your stocks day to day might not be a good practice. That's a bad idea. And, <laughs> yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and right, so and with the weather, you know, look, I, I, yeah, I guess, but is that where we spend most of our time? You know, with the stocks, you just basically look where they open and close, and with the weather, you look at it real quick. So all this other media that we're digesting is we can't really do anything with it. And and what I think it is, it gives us a false sense of control and order. And we're feeling like things are chaotic and out of order. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that um, I've, I've noticed this in older women, older women that are single. So women, late fifties, early sixties, I've noticed a lot of them get deep into crazy dispensational myths mm-hmm. and they follow a lot of these <laughs> kind of weirdos on YouTube. I mean, some of these guys are literally fat bald guys in their mother's basement. Now, not every YouTuber is that obviously, but these guys are. And, and these women are watching them like, oh, well, he said he has this insider information. No, he doesn't. He's a loser. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not real. Well, why in the world would a woman do that? Well, I think it's because the world's scary and she wants to feel like in control. In the story I've been giving people, I don't know, do you guys remember the Gorilla Channel? It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened in history. It's not a thing. But, the Gorilla okay, Channel? Okay, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah this is good this is good stuff so in um 2017 there was this expose this book that was going to come out that was going to reveal behind the scenes just how bad trump was and i can't think of the author's last name his first name was michael 
But um, so he was going to release this book. He had this insider information from aides that had worked with Trump. Now, um, the day before the book came out, supposedly excerpts of the book had leaked onto line. And one of the experts, the excerpt, excuse me, had told this story about how Trump kept demanding for his aides to put on the Gorilla Channel. And it wasn't on in the White House. And he wanted the Gorilla Channel. And they didn't know what he was talking about. He's like, yeah, you, you know, the channel with gorillas on it all the time. So they, they go and get these documentaries and they like cut it and edit it and make this 24 hour, you know, like loop feed of gorillas. And then they put it on for Trump and he's happy, but then he's sad because the gorillas don't fight each other enough. <laughs> so, now here's what happened. Here's the true story. Someone wrote this satire piece, these satire excerpts to make fun of the author. And, but the left <laughs> believed it. The left <laughs> believed that Donald Trump, a billionaire, a full-grown man, was looking for the gorilla channel and was sad that the gorillas didn't fight each other enough. <laughs> well, it was, it was wish fulfillment, right? They wanted to believe that Donald Trump was a complete idiot. And so QAnon and a lot of these things that people are saying, it's, it's kind of wish fulfillment. They want to believe that there's more going on here. It gives them a sense of power. Mm. It lets them rest easy at night. <clears throat> and uh, ironically, though, it's, it's actually doing the opposite of what they feel like. You know, it's uh, it's like drinking whiskey or whatever when you're out in snow. It makes you feel warm, but it's actually it's actually not making you warmer. It's just a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. what's happening is people are focused on things that they can't take action on that make them feel like they have insider information, kind of a sort of gnostic sort of tendency. <laughs> I had just said and they're that not earlier. Taking action. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they're not taking action in their real life. So where they could bring order and have more control have more dominion they're not because they're like glued to all these crazy myths and that's what's going on right now that's i mean that's a big part and we're in like this um this swirl of water it's like we're in a washing machine being tossed to and fro mm. yeah yeah we we were talking about the QAnon thing earlier and uh and, and i think a lot of it is has kept us and it's made us waste time even not, not just the QAnon, I think the whole kind of is Trump going to do the Insurrection Act and all the all the stuff about this is what's going to happen has kept us from actually preparing for when Biden becomes president. It's, it keeps us from preparing for just what's going on in reality because we're always holding Amen. up hope that something else is happening behind the scenes. So. All right, so that's kind of where we're at. Where do you think we're going, and and what uh, what do we do to prepare for it? Well, let me give you let me give you something from scripture that kind of ties together QAnon, the president, and where we're at and where we should be going. And that that chapter would, uh, of scripture would be Jeremiah twenty nine. So Jeremiah is prophesying that they're going to go into exile, and then the book you know, leads into the exile. And there's this battle between him and these other prophets. These prophets are saying, like, look, I think it's chapter 28, um, Hananiah, or whatever his name is, says it's only going to be two years. Two years, and then he's going to destroy. God is going to destroy Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, Jeremiah's like, no, he's not. That's not what's going to happen. It's 70 years. And then in chapter 29, that's where he's got that great passage, build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and fathers, sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so they may give birth to sons and daughters, grow in numbers, 
uh, there, do not decrease. Seek the prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Uh, in his prosperity uh, will be your prosperity. So this is what God says. Then he says, don't listen to these false uh, prophets. Do not listen to their interpretations of your dreams, which are you dream. So all these dreams of being out from underneath exile, you know, back home, back where things are calm and peaceful, they're going to tell you what those dreams mean. Don't listen to them. Here's what's happening. You're in exile. You're under judgment. And then um, he, he tells them, like, look, for this is what the word says. When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I'll visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity, not for disaster, to give you a future, no hope. Now, those things are taken out of context and stuck on pretty little paintings with eagles or whatever and people hanging <laughs> in their house. But it, it does have it does have relevance to God's covenant people that even when God puts his covenant people under judgment, they're still in his covenant and he it's like when when we discipline our children, we're still we still love them, right? So God God loves us. He's disciplining his church. And I just love that in Jeremiah twenty nine, God says, Here's my plan, you're under judgment. And the prophets are like, No, no, trust the plan. And God's like, no, this is the plan. And I think it, it relates a lot to where we're at. We um, have squandered our Christian heritage. Uh, we have uh, allowed people to get positions of power uh, out of our laziness because uh, we watch Netflix and we're fat and we're lazy and we're not going to city council meetings. And we're not involved and our churches are weak and we only preach messages that are soft on people and comfort people in their sin we made all these huge compromises, and now judgment's on us, you know. And this judgment should wake us up, and what we do is do the first things, right? Like, where where did we go astray? We went astray by um, identifying more with the culture than with uh, the, the mainstream culture than with God. So but the first step, I think, is just own it. Yep, I'm part of this. Like Daniel repented for Israel. Yeah, America, we we really messed up. You know, the the things that the leftists say about America is not true, but there are, there are real sins that we've committed, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. Like when I came out and in, in, um and I backed Trump, uh, I'm a I've been a libertarian my my entire well not my entire adult life, ever since uh, I voted for Bush in 2000, and then every other election I voted libertarian or third party until this election. And I didn't come out for Trump because I'm not I'm not really a Republican. And there are things about the man that I admire, but he's he's clearly not a Christian and has all sorts of problems. Um, but I was recognizing the direction we were going. Mm -hmm. And even Trump was just a sort of uh, reprieve, uh, giving us time to get ready. And I realized that I had really not been active in the way I, I've really not been a fan of politics most of my life. I don't like talking about them. So when I was coming out about that stuff, it was like me kind of repenting, <laughs> like, Oh man, I've slept on this. So what do we do now? I think is we turn our eyes away from things that we can't know whether they're true or not, um, that we can't act on and start to take action at home with ourselves, admitting that we've been lazy, that there's ways we have failed uh, own that and then get serious with your walk in the, with the Lord, you know, scripture, prayer, church attendance, sacraments, that sort of basic stuff. 
that's a good place because there's a lot of people that are digesting large amounts of news, mainstream news, and some of it's counter mainstream that will write write things that make you mad because they just want to generate um, they want to generate clicks. Like we've been spending a ton of time on that. Have we been spending even half that time? Seeking the Lord in some sort of way, reading a good book, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so that's where I think we need to start is like, okay, I, I, my eye got off the ball. That's, that's what I would say. That's step number one. Yeah. I think it starts with, starts with us. And then I think it starts in our homes. And I think if we start seeing men in their homes repent and do right, then I think you'll start seeing that move out into your towns and into your, you know, cities and things like that. But yeah. You're right, man. Uh, all this stuff is such a distraction, um, and uh, it's actually kind of interesting that those of us, you know, Christians that are being distracted, are getting. I actually, this happened today to me. I got banned from Facebook for 24 hours. Um, but it is interesting that that's even happening. And you know, I just as you're saying that, you're thinking about is it, like you know, God kicking us off there too, and going, "That's yeah, a distraction. You know, get off it." And uh, just kind of this purge that's happening, and it is. It's interesting, though. There's a lot of people freaking out about all the stuff, like you said, they can't control, and that was a lot of stuff that Joseph and I were actually just talking about in our first segment. And it is, it's funny, you said the, the Gnostic thing, too. There's this weird obsession with things that you don't know, can't prove, and can't control. And it is, it's a cry for trying to control something and, and not doing your responsibility. So, yeah, no, that, that's... And I, I want to be clear, I'm not calling people to be passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think people need to do is come come to terms with where we're at. Okay, yep, exactly. There, the the military is not going to arrest all the pedophile, cannibalistic, cabal people. There's not military tribunals secretly waging a war. That's crazy. It's always been crazy. It's still crazy. And if you say to me, "Well, it could be true," I'm going to tell you right now, no, it's not true. It's not true. Stop believing it. What what we need to do is we need to uh, get back to building where we're at. Get away, like limit your liabilities. So I, 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 I took, I was kind of late. I laid low on social media the last couple of days until today. Cause I was just trying to get to figure out what do I want to do? Because I, one of my close friends got banned today. Um, and he, he doesn't really know what it's for. I think he'll get unsuspended. But uh, I wanted to decide, like, what, what's, what is my purpose behind social media? What am I trying to do? And so take some time, think, get rid of your liabilities. I, I, I deleted a bunch of stuff that I thought the bots would catch because people aren't watching you. Bots are. And then there's enough things flagged that brings the eyes to your page. If it's not automatically flagged, they'll bring maybe someone to check into it. So if there's certain words you don't use, that's the thing that keeps blowing my mind. That just shows me how clueless people are. They keep saying words like Trump, deep, uh, fraud, election, insurrection, going on and on and on on Facebook and social media. And you can tell that they don't have any power at all and really any clue what's going on, or they wouldn't be talking like that because that's going to get you banned. Oh, I don't care. Well, I do care. I do want to – like the reason they're trying to ban us is because it's powerful. Like we're the counterpart to that. So uh, I think being smart now – and the way you use your language, like, you know, if Hitler's in power, you want to protect the Jews, but maybe don't like run out, you know, and scream, I love the Jews, Nazis suck. Maybe don't do that in public, <laughs> right? Like help the Jews. Don't, 
you know, like actually stop. This is a time to say, do I want this attention on me? Limit your liabilities like in that world. Limit your liabilities in do you have back taxes? Are your tags up to date? Is your license have any problems on it? Uh, get get that stuff. Don't give them any leverage on you. Um, actually get your home strong. Make sure your kids trust in the Lord. Catechize them. Find a local church. Get plugged in. Get each other's phone numbers. Hang out. You know, find ways that if there's a, a loss in communication, which is um, not beyond belief right now. You know, I've, I've backed up a lot of my communication via signal and and a lot of my friends who we just kind of we used a lot of these social media apps to talk like like a phone uh I, some of them i didn't have their phone number which i was like wait a second we i've never dialed your phone number i've just talked to you through a messaging app i actually got their phone numbers uh, so there's things like this we can start to do but also get to know your neighbors like live where you're at you know it, you you should care more about dc if you're in dc if you're not in dc you know, care about New Albany or Sellersburg or Batavia or whatever godforsaken place you live, Tony. <laughs> I'm in Ohio. Yeah, man. Our, <laughs> our terrible governor. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but those are some of the basic things like that we have to start doing. And we have to, we have to think like if you're, if you're a church, you have to say, um, how can we make sure we meet every Sunday? Like, what's your, do you have a plan B, C, D? And so if you're a pastor or an officer in a church, some sort of leader, those are things you have to start thinking about. You, you really can't afford to be distracted by things that uh, you can't act on because there, it's time. Like, we're, we're looking at a house, a farmhouse tomorrow, and God willing, we'll be able to make an off, uh, offer, you know, and uh, we're trying to get away from the cities. We're trying to get to a place where, we can have a little more self-sufficiency. I don't have any sort of, I'm not going to be farmer Mike. That's not going to happen. Um, we're not going to be like hardcore homesteaders because I would kill most of the animals, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I am, I am, we are like really dependent on a lot of things for, for that we shouldn't be dependent on. And so trying to, to take some practical steps uh, in your local community to build local networks and actually be get, get more self-sufficient in your homes, I think is real important right now because who knows what's going to happen? Like there, the, the possibility of civil war is not impossible. <laughs> it's like, it's like h- higher chance than in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. people are mad and what's, what's going to happen on the 20th. Who knows? You know, what opportunity, like, I, I don't know. Will there be false flag stuff? Will there just be crazy people that are upset? You know, it's, it's, it's really time for people to wake up and go local. My saying is uh, county before country and Christ before all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my attitude for the next several years, at least. Um, then I'll raise one of my sons to be emperor. And that's my plan. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you on the uh, trying to be more self-sufficient and, and things like that. Actually, we were just... We're talking about our New Year's resolutions on a previous episode here, and uh, that was one of mine for this year is to start. I have a decent amount of land now, and just to start actually using that land for uh, not just us, but you know, starting with us, but then also for other people. What are you us. doing? What sort of what steps are you taking? Um, this year, we actually cleaned up some of it. So I got about three acres, and uh, we cleaned up some of the stuff at the back we needed to. And then this coming, well, 
this is 2021 now. Okay. So this year, I kind of forget that it's the new year now. Um, but th- this year we want to start planning and uh, we're going to try and start with stuff that I don't want to go so big that I just ruin all of the crops. So I want to start with things that are a little easier to uh, plant and grow. Squash, so, man. Yeah. So we're going to do squash, yeah, squash peppers, uh, tomatoes, things like that, that basically give it a lot of water and you're good. We actually, we had... Um, Derek Evans from Sanctified Soil on uh, way back, and uh, he had some really good uh, suggestions on things too. But that's one thing. And then we're, I think Joseph wants to get chickens too, if I remember right, um, at some point here going up. Although he he tells me that I can't, if I get chickens, I can't just bring him one the next day because that's how he got his dog before is I just sent him a puppy like the next day. <laughs> it just showed up at his door. <laughs> but um, those kind of things, I want to, I want to, I want to do that to make us more self-sufficient. I also want to do it because I think it's good for the kids to learn how to do those things, to work with their hands, to make things for themselves rather than always relying on somebody else to do it. And then also just to see how we can help other people, whether in our church or our our neighbors and people around us. And uh, one thing I think I've really appreciated about what you've been talking about a lot is just the importance of community and the importance of networking and uh, getting to know your town and getting to know the needs and meeting those needs in the town. I think that's that's a very important thing. I think it's also a powerful thing. Every Sunday morning, I get a text message from a fellow pastor here in Claremont County, actually not far from Batavia, praying for me. And we text each other back and forth on Sunday. And he's a Baptist, you know. I'm a I'm a I'm Pauline in my views, so a Presbyterian. Um, and uh, and I'm getting to know. There's a, a a pastor in town that you know he's like Calvinian. He's not a he'll tell you he's not a Calvinist, but you're like I don't know, man. You're getting pretty close. But honestly, I went to his church to worship one day, and it was really, really godly, manly worship. The sermon was just from scripture, and everything he said was solid, and it was really good. And I think. Um, you know, I used, I used to be an Arminian. I, I went through my, well, I'm either Arminian or Calvinist stage, you know. Um, and uh, uh, these guys are becoming friends. And I think we're going to have to think hard on who our allies and co-belligerents are. I think constipated confessionalists are going to they're gonna go by the wayside. <laughs> um, I love that term. Because, yeah, they're just, they're, you know, I always tell non- who says it's good to be a man with me that they're autistic. And the example I give is I, I grew up with an autistic friend that lived down the street and his name was Kevin. And he had memorized all the uh, cover bridges in America. He knew all of them. He like knew their minutes, longitude and all that stuff. Wow. And he could tell you what they're made of and like the year. It was really weird. And especially when you're like seven years old, you don't really understand yeah. that. But that's, that's like these, uh, confessionalist they always like you know someone found out that i like boxing and i don't like boxing i love it and they're like <laughs> well that's a blood sport and how's that not a violation of the larger catechism exposition on you know the sixth commandment well uh, that's a fair question i could give an answer for it uh but my name's michael what's your name what is wrong with you dude what is wrong with you what what, what where are your social skills People aren't persecuting you because you're smart. It's because you're annoying. Um, you're annoying and, like, seriously, like, are you just by yourself all the time? And so I think a lot of us have to 
really think through majors and minors, part of having discernment is understanding the difference between the good and the better and the better and the best, right? The first and the second and the second and the third. And so a lot of people that claim to have discernment treat all things equal, which means they don't have discernment. It means that they're fools, that they're not wise. And so we're in a situation right now where there's a guy I know, Joseph, you might know him, Jürgen von Hagen, who uh, he's a professor um, out of the University of Bonn and is sometimes up in Bloomington, Indiana. Jürgen, I remember once saying in a class that I was in that, uh, that Americans are kind of spoiled and they don't know how hard it, how, how good we have it. Because in Germany, you're just trying to find someone that's orthodox, <laughs> right? And oh, I yeah. think what we're trying to do is find people that know what the, the, the main things are right now. People that can discern the times and understand where we're at. And like at East River, like I'm a Presbyterian and I want everyone to be a Presbyterian. I really do. And, but our church is more Baptist than it is Presbyterian. <laughs> it's a real challenge, man, for me. But you know what? They love the Lord. They, they share our values. They're committed to our core doctrine. And right now it's just like, we're just kind of being soft on it, you know, and uh, and that's how we have to be. We have we're gonna have to be that way on a lot of things. I got like, look, I know this is quite last piece network, and I'm in the theory C. Uh, that's where I'm at. So let me just criticize my own people. Uh, these people that like, so are you post millennial? Are you a theonomic? What do you think about Rush Duny? Are you a reconstructionist? Like, hey, this is why you're alone. This is why no one likes you. You understand that? Like, this is, can, can you translate this stuff into normal biblical language? Can you talk like a normal human being? Like, your barrier of entry for fellowship is so high. Like, you're going to have to really rethink this right now. And, I, and to answer the question, yes, I am a postmillennialist. And yes, I'm a, I am theonomic in the general equity of the law sense. Um, and yes, I do read Rush Dooney, and I have benefited from some of the Reconstructionists. But, but guys, guys, where are our priorities right now? And that's the thing. Like, you're looking at people. We were at the Great Wolf Lodge, why President Trump was getting banned from everything. And I'm, I'm out there standing in a wave pool, looking around <laughs> at everybody. And I'm thinking, this is a pretty good analogy for the church. Like, I'm, I'm here just, I'm concerned about our nation. I'm concerned about my ability to connect with people. I'm trying to finish a book right now with my, my co-author who lives in New Zealand. Um, there's a lot that I was concerned about. And I'm watching all these people just kind of like flounder around and jump in water. And one hand, you're glad they're having fun. But you think like, why aren't people jumping into action? I told Emma, I was like, I want to go buy a gun right now, right? We got that stimulus money, which I, I told I told Marcus Pittman, I was like, that's gun money. Yes, it is. You know, let's, let's put that money, that, that monopoly money into an asset that'll actually hold its value. Mm -hmm. But, um, I was sitting there thinking like, this is us, this is us right now. Like this is not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, I'm like about as, as skeptical of a person as, as they, I don't believe in aliens. I don't, I think they're almost never demons. Everyone says that. No, you're, they're just crazy people lying to you. This is really happening. Mm -hmm. We are being set up for persecution. And the normacy bias, which I talked about on Facebook today, is that bias that keeps you from reacting to a disaster.
And I remember watching, I, I got obsessed with the Boxing Day tsunami that happened in 2004. So YouTube was still private back then, privately owned. And so you're like going to all these different kind of competing video sites. Wimp was one. That was a great one, but it ended up getting bought out by like a porn group or something. But they, all these videos were coming out of the tsunami and it's awesome power, right? And it was like a, a first time that people had handheld cameras and the ability to load things up onto line really quick. Uh, and I remember watching this guy just stand on the beach. And if you go right now and Google, man on the beach, tsunami, you'll see the video I'm talking about. The dude is like, everyone else is gone at this point. And he's just staring at the ocean. And these people are up on these buildings screaming at him. And the, the wave just swallows him up. And he's dead. And that's how we are as a culture. Like the ocean has gone out and it is turning into a monstrous wave. It's not normal. And Christians are going on with their life, arguing about petty things, uh, not like organizing, getting all their best content offline that they can, uh, making sure they have numbers of people they've really benefited from and they want to connect with in the um, non-digital realm. Uh, and here, here it comes. And it, the crazy thing about tsunamis, why it's such a powerful metaphor, if you watch the Boxing Day tsunami, so the water comes in, and you're, it's kind of freaky, but then it just keeps coming and keeps coming. And in a matter of like 30 seconds, it's kind of freaky, and then it's a rushing river, mm-hmm. and the power carries you away. And that's the thing about change. Uh, change, especially when communists and Marxists are involved, change is super slow or super fast, never in the middle. And so I think the possibility of it just being radical, super quick change, kind of like what we've seen with Trump and the way social media shut things down, like that happening is really, really possible. And people need to, uh, they need to be in prayer. They need to get on the same page with their wife or their husband. They need to keep their kids calm, trusting the Lord communicate clearly what your plans are as a family. And, um, and that's where we're at, man. It's just, this, this is it. You know, I, I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not surrendering over to martyrdom. People's like, well, the church has grown through martyrdom. Well, <laughs> okay. But they didn't like, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Right. Right. They were thrown into the fire. They, they weren't like, Hey, I want to prove that I'm a real Christian feed me to the lions. No, that was forced upon them. They, they were faithful people. We need to be faithful too, not like give up and be passive, but this is it guys. This is, this is it. It's really happening. The obsession with martyrdom has proven throughout church history to be dangerous when, when, when it's been glamorized. I think it was, who was it? What, who was, uh, one of the church fathers that was kind of shuffled across Asia towards Rome to be executed by, uh, eaten by lions or, or burned, or I think it was burned. And I think, uh, he wrote a bunch of letters. Polycarp? And, yes. And, and if I remember right, the problem during that time was because it is such a slow move, you know, I mean, they, they were taking him on horses or whatever, walking him. So it took a while to get there. He's writing letters and people are reading them and he's trying, you know, he's saying that he's, he knows he's going to death and he's going to die for God. And I think and people, from what I understand reading history, a lot of Christians glamorized it and really kind of almost went out endeavoring to be martyred. And then the problem was when they got before the emperor and they realized, I'm going to get eaten by lions or burned or filleted or whatever, 
they would deny Christ. And then the church was like, what do we do with them? And I think that's the danger now is we're, like you said, we're so comfortable with everything. We just think, oh, we're just going to be martyred. And it's like, no, that's, you have no idea what that's going to be like. Like, yes, you have no idea. That's actually, that story was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> hey, great man. That's from like. Polycarp. Yeah. It's, it's in, it's in his confession, the, uh, the, the story of his martyr. And yeah, one of the men rushed in to be martyred and was, uh, and then denied the faith. I, I think we, we are foolish to kind of welcome that and to think that comes like, well, oh, this will, I saw somebody else uh, this week celebrate. We were, they were saying, I'm giddy or celebrating the purification of the church that's coming. Mm. And uh, that's a it's scary sad, thing. You, you, right? you, might be, you might not be the one, you might be the dross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it too. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just crazy to me. A lot of people, I, what I, what I interpret it as is passivity, right? Like I, I think the last year and a half of my life, I've been coming as we're writing the book for it's good to be a man. And, and just thinking through a lot of topics in scripture, the, the importance of fruitfulness, which is productivity, right? Uh, like it actually takes action for these things to happen. And what I see with people is just a surrender um, uh, a surrender is what they're is like. Well, my passivity isn't me being lazy and lacking courage. It's me being a martyr, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, yep. no, it's, it's like, look, man, you're being passive. And so what we need to say is like, what do I need to do? And so that's about, you know, first things. What are those first things that we need to get to right now? And a lot of people talking about martyrdom it's like people say, well, Jesus is king. Okay, where's the disagreement? What Christians disagree with that statement? Okay, well, Jesus is king, so we should trust him. Okay, so when I trust him, should I obey his commands and do the things he tells me? Should I apply all of Christ to all of life? Well, yeah, okay, so what would Jesus being king, how would it affect me in this situation? Well, now you're getting political. No, <laughs> what do I do? I'm a husband, I'm a worker. I'm a brother. I'm a church member. What do I do? What would Jesus have me do? How do I apply the wisdom and teaching of Scripture to this situation? Well, look, man, I don't want to argue right now. Well, second ago, you said Jesus was king. Seemed like that was some point you wanted me to walk away with. Actually, what you're saying, Jesus is king. It's okay. Don't think about it. You're all right. Everything's fine. You're like the, they're like the false prophets that said, peace, peace. Yeah, and there is no there peace. Is no peace. Yeah. That's what they're like, you know, and they're not helping us. And they're like, they're acting like they're these great people of faith. And the people love it because there's always a market for uh, being told what you want to hear. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? And uh, so it's, it's scary. We're, we're full of false prophets that won't, won't call it like it is. And so I want to say, look, we're under judgment. So let's actually repent which involves, you know, turning from one thing to another, flee and pursue. So we're under judgment. That doesn't lead us to be passive, but it leads us to repent, say, God, we repent for our nation, we repent for the church, I repent for all my individual sins, and now that repentance takes this form right now. That's where we're at. That's what we should be doing. Amen. That's as good as uh, I need to end this segment. <laughs> um, 
Well, hey, as usual, though, uh, before we get off with you, if anybody, I got to imagine most people listening to the show know who you are, but if they don't, can you tell them how to get in contact with you or how to hear more of your content or read more of your content? Well, at the recording of this podcast, I am still on Twitter at This Is Foster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a gab if their servers ever get up. Yes. At too, This yeah. Is Foster. Um, so same, same handle there. Uh, it's good to be a man. Uh, what I would actually say, what I recommend everyone do, go to It's Good to Be a Man and sign up for our newsletters. We have weekly newsletters that go out, and it's really fantastic content. Um, and we want to post it to our website. We're just so busy. We haven't done it, but like we have a uh, couple pages go out every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, EST. It's really good. So sign up there. And if you're ever in Batavia, Ohio and looking for a place to worship for the weekend or somewhere to visit, uh, you can stop by East River Church and you can learn more about our church at eastriverchurch.org. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you for coming on. And, uh, I'm sure we will see each other around some social media at some point here. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. We'll see each other at the gulag. There you go. We will. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. All right. That was Michael Foster from It's Good to Be a Man. You're listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. That was a good interview with Michael. That was fun talking to him. I, we haven't talked to him for, I want to say, episode four might have been the last time he was on with us, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was good. It was very helpful. Mm-hmm. One of the most helpful things I think that, that he had to say was kind of avoiding the, the extremes there of like the conspiracy theory. And, and I know people don't like us talking about it that way because... It, it, <laughs> Looking at what happens, there are conspiracies that happen. So we're not trying to say that that never happens, but there is a kind of a mindset that gets caught into this, like in the news that's unactionable and always hoping out for things that just are not happening. And so there, and then that leaves you with frustration and anger. And so there's this idea of, of that, that looking out for the QAnon stuff, it's always going to happen. You want to avoid, you want to avoid the ditch of like, everything's just going to hell and it's just the most terrible thing there ever is. And everything, I mean, God's lost control and what's happening. Everything's, the world's going to fall apart. And then on the other hand, you want to avoid the ditch of like, oh, well, Jesus is King and means nothing. Right. And so we want to have a right look at what we're doing. There was a guy on my on my uh, I think Facebook page named Nathan Rambeck. He's a, a a friend of mine. Um, does a lot of abortion ministry, and actually he wrote a post I thought was helpful. That uh, it's not. I don't think it's a kind of ignoring what is happening, nor is it a conspiracy thing. But rather, it just paints a good picture of what how we ought to think and consider. And so this is what he wrote. 
What a glorious day we live in. Political corruption. <laughs> it's interesting that those go together, <laughs> right? What a glorious day we live in and then political corruption. But yeah, you fill it out. What a glorious day we live in. Political corruption, stolen elections, censorship of dissent by technical oligarchs, mass deception in the media, cancel culture, the celebration of deviancy, false ideologies sweeping through our churches. It's like we're living in the Bible times. <laughs> we get to live as Christian insurrectionists, subverting the kingdom of the evil one and shining the light of the gospel in every corner we live. Uh, shining the, uh, the light of the gospel in everyone, wherever we live. Some will do it loudly on the streets with prophetic voices and others more quietly in their homes and among their communities. But 10,000 years from now, we will talk with great fondness about the wisdom of God in allowing us to battle against the forces of darkness for that fleeting moment in eternity. When our faith was tested and our souls formed by the fierceness of the battle, the battle for human dignity, the battle for truth, the battle against the moral corruption of our families, the battle to raise children in righteousness and truth, the battle to love our neighbor who hates us, the battle for the souls of men. May we wake up every morning with determination to run toward each day's battle and to use each day's strength that God has given us to push forward the standard of Christ and his kingdom. And so, man, I, I think that is a helpful way for us to look at it. It's it's not despair, nor is it a, a an ignoring of what we're actually facing, but rather recognizing this is the battle that God has called us to and uh, the battle for all those things that he mentioned there is where we're called to. And also recognizing, I think, as Michael and, and, and you and I have said, that we're facing God's judgment and his discipline. And so we may do so as faithful sons being obedient to him. Um, I would, if I was going to give some just real practical help here, I, I think in many ways, even though what is happening, the plan remains the same, right? It's the same plan that we've been outlining since we started this podcast. Uh, starting the podcast, we recognized how things were bad, how bad they were. And yet we, we know that the plan remains the same, which is really being a godly man. It's uh, focusing your efforts where you can have the most impact, right? If you have the most impact in DC, then focus there, but rather most of us don't. So let's focus our efforts on the local efforts and our loyalty to the local local realm. We need to work to make our homes as profitable as we can. Uh, what can we do to make them self-sustaining and, and, and um, anti-fragile? It's holding on to what is good in our tradition. That is looking back on, on the things in the church that are good and holding on to them, holding fast. Don't let the world destroy them. Hold fast to what uh, the teachings that you've heard from before. More, most importantly, hold fast to Scripture. It's part of this uh, of our battle is just is singing. We are warriors that sing, and so we sing the Psalms, we preach the Psalms, we teach ourselves the Psalms. I, I've been reading uh, Tony Psalm sixty nine, and uh, I would encourage our listeners to get that Psalm out, read Psalm sixty nine, and apply it to what's happening now. It is a psalm of repentance 
and a psalm of, of an imprecatory psalm. It is a man repenting of his own sin and also calling on God to judge the enemies that are coming at him. I think that's where we're at. So we're singing psalms. We're preaching against pietism, uh, preaching the gospel, true gospel, while maintaining true piety. It's helpful. Read stories of the martyrs, those who have come before. Have and discipline your children. Get your brothers back, right? Instead of stabbing your brothers in the back, get their back, protect them, lift them up, and have a band of brothers to help lift you up. That means being part of the church. And most importantly, believing the gospel and fearing God. That's the plan, man. I think that's what we have to do in this time. Tony, what do you what do you have to say? All of that, and uh, I mean, in terms of some of the material-type practical things, uh, if if you don't already have a little bit of a stockpile of food, water and things like that, gasoline, you know, basic things you're going to need, go get it. And you might have a harder time right now if you waited till now, but you can still go find it. Uh, just non-perishable things. We're not talking, don't go get fancy. Go get, go back to college days, okay? Go out and buy those gigantic boxes of ramen noodles and go store it in a cool place in case you need it. You know, get some water, get some gasoline, stuff like that. Um and I, you kind of, this kind of blends into also what you're saying too, but the network of people that you have around you is very important. And that absolutely should and must include your church. Um, so for the men that are listening, go get to know the other men in your church if you don't. Um, those of you that already do, you, you probably have already had talks like this with them and try to figure out, hey, if things go sideways, how are we going to help each other? And it, you'll find if you do that, some of these simple things that, hey, look, I get it. We, we've lived in comfort for so long. We Just even prepping for anything like this is just so out of the realm of our minds of what we imagine. It's almost like living in a movie. I get it. But if you do those things and you are leading your home right, you are uh, teaching your wife and your kids about what's going on, about how to respond to it, uh, if you are getting to know the other men in your church or already do, um, if you are actively repenting as a person and also as your family, and you're looking to how can I, as a Christian, influence my local community, my local leaders, you're going to find your anxiety level is not going to be all that high on things. I'm not going to say that at times you're not going to battle it. I do. Um, but I have found, and I, I absolutely credit God with this, and, and I thank him for this, but I have found during this, I have this, I, I guess I describe it as an odd sense of calm. Um, it, it, in, in some ways it's like, you know, they're throwing us off social medias and whatever, you know, I'm banned for 24 hours, but I kind of just laugh at it and figure out, well, how do I use my time that I'm not on social media? And I think if we do those things, um, we, whether we die during something horrible, that happens or whether we live through it. Uh, I think like you're saying, you know, all these years, 10,000 years from now, you know, we look back on this. Um, I think we will look back on it fondly and, and look at what God did. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, uh, you said look back fondly. You know, when I was in the Army, I remember going through basic training. And there were a lot of times where it 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 sucked. Like, <laughs> you're just getting your butt kicked, man, by the workouts. There was a time we got in trouble. We went on a run and uh, came back from the run. It was the first time the captain had been with us. 
And we had this idiot in our unit that eventually got kicked out. But he he said on that run, as the captain was speaking to us about how well we did, this guy yells out, in formation, you and the captain can make it happen. <laughs> and you don't do that. And we all got, we got smoked. They took us inside and said they were going to smoke us until the walls sweated. That means they, they made <laughs> us work until there was moisture on the walls. Yeah. And you think about that and it sucked in the moment. But now as I'm telling that story, it removed from the situation, telling the story, looking back, it's like, man, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're like, it, it's what you do is you tell old war stories with your buddies and, you know, we're going to be in heaven one day telling those war stories about whatever happened. And uh, so we better be faithful to persevere to the end and to make it uh, so we can tell those stories together. Amen. Well, that is our episode for today. Uh, like always, if you are not yet a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club member, actually, I'd really encourage you on this. If you are not a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club member right now, uh, figure out a way to be one. We have multiple tiers of membership. So uh, like I said, even on last week's episode uh, in the preface to it, uh, we're not asking you to go into debt. We're not asking you to spend too much. There are multiple tiers. You could find something within your budget range. Or if you already are and you know another man who maybe can't afford it or would benefit from it, uh, buy a membership. Buy the whole, you know, buy the household the membership so they can have some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, the sermons, the extra stuff that's behind there, and including our extra show, which is after the sandwich. But help us fight. Help us make more content and help other men uh, and other believers learn how to be better believers and get in a network with each other. So go to fightleftfeast.com, click the sign up to become a member, and use code PATRIARCHY to support our show. So until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the Patriarchy.